Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest edition of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Arsenal and Liverpool towards the end of the show. But you guys are going to have to wait a little bit for that. Um, before we get into it, obviously, I do like to introduce my co-hosts, and I guess I'll start off with Psalm today. Um, so, Psalm, 2-0 against Arsenal. Uh, how you how you feeling in general? It's so I'm trying so hard to not get ahead of myself. Uh, just because of the brilliant start that we've had so far in the season. Um, but it's, it's so hard to like curb my, my, uh, what's it called? Like my enthusiasm for the team right now, because we're looking fucking deadly, bro. When, <laughs> with, with Lukaku, <laughs> Lukaku might've been the missing piece to us being the best team in the premier league and maybe maybe in europe pending uh cristiano ronaldo to man city sneaky transfer but uh <laughs> who knows who knows i mean i had a good weekend but i know someone else who had a better weekend than i did mm. andres why don't you tell us a little bit about your weekend yeah word on word on the street is that you're getting hitched oh i thought you guys were just saying that i had a good weekend because spider-man trailer came out but uh yeah yeah that was uh, why that was it that was the only reason that was what i was talking about i, I hope Zaki was talking about yeah man i hope hannah no, heard that no, no. i'm totally joking <laughs> this <laughs> now this weekend i uh got down on a knee and i finally got to propose to my now fiance hannah hey. yeah yeah so we uh took a trip to denver to celebrate was supposed to be an anniversary. Little did she know that all along I had planned to surprise her by getting down on a knee on the on our first official night there. Um, we went out to to this really cool rooftop bar in Denver called I think I always get the numbers wrong. It's fifty three forty if I'm not mistaken, and it's like got one of the prettiest views of the city and the mountains and whatnot. Um, I was a nervous wreck, of course, and Aww. to make matters worse, to make matters worse, as soon as we sat down, I felt raindrops. So Ooh. then I really, really lost my cool. Um, <laughs> it's like, damn, luckily what is God trying Hannah, to tell me right now? <laughs> Hannah didn't really catch on to that. And then I tried to, you know, go through my whole prepared words and thoughtful, you know, loving conversation and she just kind of kept interjecting like yeah i love you too yeah i love that about this and i'm like oh i'm trying to get through my speech <laughs> um wait so finally, we, had a, we had a speech like pre-written and like pre-written and... like in my head you know i had like the key things that i wanted to like oh express God, you're you know? so cheesy bro dude <laughs> i'm the I last man I standing i am the last man standing here don't do it Sam. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, dude, I, I didn't think of anything prior to when I when I got down on a knee. I just kind of I don't even remember what I said. I spoke for about 20 seconds and then she wouldn't even say yes. She just yeah, said, yeah, exactly. So she's so like, yeah, I'm like, thing. yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, was holding <laughs> prepared and I, and I got down on a knee and, and she immediately starts crying and I'm trying to get through it. And I like open the ring box and she's like staring at the ring and I'm like, so are you gonna say yes? Like I'm waiting. <laughs> and she says yes. And then she's still kind of like frozen in the moment. I'm like, now you need to give me your hand. Like, 
there's there's a process to this that we have to check off. And, and you didn't get anyone to film it? Oh no, we. I'll. I guess I'll have to post it. I mean, we I we got that. random people actually videoed it, but I had a I had a photographer hiding in the crowd and she was taking pictures the whole time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she captured everything. Did a fantastic job of like being in like I said incognito. And I mean, yeah, Hannah still tells me that she has no idea what I said because she just kind of blacked out, uh, which I think is hilarious. But at least she said yes. <laughs> and then man. to 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 really top it off, I had a secret waiting for us at dinner. Our parents flew into Denver as well, so they got to be the the cherry uh, on top. So yeah, it was man, uh, it was a per- just a cornball. Oh, 100%. I'm super cheesy. Been planning this for months now. So, Papa Velasco pulling up in the Bayern kit. Uh, <laughs> he, bought, he bought a brand new suit. You'd think he's the one getting engaged. He looked. I saw the pictures. He looked better than you. Uh, honestly, probably did. I'm sure that was a tailored suit. But um, I, I just want to finish off by saying thank you to everyone that, you know, took time out of their day and congratulated us on Twitter. Uh, it means the world. I saw some random guy that I don't even know if he follows me or the podcast posted a, a, a picture that said, you know, Chelsea's more than a club, it's family. And uh, yeah, it really felt that way. Uh, I know I made a post and for people to really give kind words and more than just a thank you meant a lot. So we wanted to, as a collective, say thank you to everyone that kind of celebrated and congratulated us in such a big moment. Well, I think we could also, uh, to kind of quote Olivier Giroud, we could also say thank you, Arsenal, for the uh, <laughs> for the kind result at the weekend. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fucking awesome. Sorry, Sam. It was too good of a transition for me not to not, uh, what? not to. Why are you apologizing? You could kind of you could you could kind of take it away from here. But yeah. No, that was great. I I couldn't have thought of that myself. I was just gonna say, you know, to make your weekend even better. The Arsenal match, I mean, 2-0, uh, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> so going through the starting lineup, don't know where it is, but I got it right here. Um, starting in goal, we've got Edouard Mendy, a back three of Dave, Andreas Christensen, and Rudy. Then the fullbacks, Marcus Alonso out there on the left again, Reese James coming in. Um Mid midfield duo of Jovicic and the front three of Kai Havertz, Mason Mount out wide, and Romelu fucking Lukaku at striker. And hmm. we got to start off with him. Um, it, he's scoring his first ever senior goal for Chelsea in his second debut for the club. I think that's literally like word for word what they said during the broadcast, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's what I, it's exactly what I thought too. Like the word for word. Um, it's such an amazing, what an amazing match he put on. And if you saw, Ten years later, yeah, but if you saw the progression or you watch any Inter Milan last season and you saw what Antonio Conte has done to Romo Lukaku, and how much he's improved his hold-up play, his passing, his vision, everything, the runs he makes. Uh, it, it's He is, without a doubt, a top five striker in the world right now, if not top three. 
Um, I'd 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 raise I'd raise that even higher, Sam. I think uh, I think as long to, as Harry Kane's to? not as long as Harry Kane's not playing, he's the best striker in the Premier League. Damn, top two, not two. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, eight <laughs> shots, two on target, four blocked, two off target. Um, should have had that goal with the header. Um, oh, great save sorry. by Leno. Really but, nice um, save. Uh, and a, I have to add a great ball by Mason Mount because they were trying that pass throughout the game and Mason Mount right there and then Marcus Alonso earlier in the match ha- were the only two like perfect balls to Lukaku like trying to get his head on it but um, two out of three dribbles completed 19 out of 20 passes completed and that one goal which was just a classic poacher's goal but I mean that that's just the end process the lead up to it uh Kovacic you know giving the ball he holds it up right back to Kovacic an amazing diagonal ball by Kovacic who was spot on all throughout the match he had that ball all day um and Reese James finding him just a classic classic finish um and just my I'll go through the last stat he had 22 progressive passes received okay so this is when he's posted up <laughs> uh on the fender and receiving the ball that was tw- he had 22 the second best was mason mount with seven progressive passes received okay so 15 more than the second most uh he was just a focal point of a really really nice looking attack um Zach, I'll start off with you. What were your initial reactions to this performance? I think I kind of gave it away a little bit. Um, you know, before going into this match, um, I think I said it last week or the week before, I can't remember. I said he's a top three striker in world football. I think he's the best striker in the Premier League. Um, he's so freaking complete, man. I mean, you know, we, when he was first at Chelsea um, and even at Everton and Man United, um, there was a lot of criticism about his first touch, his dribbling ability. Um, you know, people were questioning his all-around game, um, you know, and this guy put his head down, kept playing, kept working, um, and now we're kind of seeing him reap the rewards of it. His game is so complete, you know, everything from the hold-up play to taking players 1v1. I, he, he put, he had Mari on skates, even when <laughs> he wasn't posting him up. I, he did two step-overs in the second half and just burned him and left them in the dust at one point. I think he could have gave the ball to Kai Havertz and, and opted not to. Um, there was a couple times where I thought he could have released the ball earlier, but I don't give a fuck. I want my striker wanting to score those goals and wanting to take those shots and take that responsibility. And on the flip side, it was his, you know, his second debut, like Psalm said. So of course there's this, uh, there's this eagerness to kind of get in and score a goal. But Psalm, you, you are spot on when you said he's the missing piece of this team. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's clear that that we're probably the front runners for the uh, for the title this season as long as city don't get their striker um i really don't see anybody else competing with us um based on what i've seen as long as lukaku could stay healthy um at least for the league games i think we are the favorites um to win the premier league this season andres what what did you kind of make of it are you uh, are you just as hyped as i am or oh, am, I, am i overreacting one, a little 100% i mean yeah. the one thing that I've, you know, always mentioned about our front three up until now is that sometimes there's just 
they're trying to do too much because there is no focal point. You know, mm-hmm. our front three are constantly changing into each other's positions. We don't know who's going to be the one receiving the ball with their back turned to goal. Uh, are they all just going to run away from the ball? I mean, Saw mentioned that 22 received balls that weren't, you know, through balls or, or crosses. That's incredible. And Lukaku just is what we're missing. I mean, for this, in this system, we've been missing a central focal point. I know at the end of the season, Kai did a good job of of kind of taking over that role, but he was kind of making do with, with the situation. It's not what he was made for. I, I truly think that, you know, in a way, Lukaku is kind of like a magnet. Mm-hmm. I felt that wherever he was, two or three Arsenal players had to go. And what if he was in the middle, that meant tons of space out wide for both Reese James and Marcus Alonso. When he drifted to the middle, then you had Reese James making runs up the middle towards like the you know the half circle of the box. It was just crazy stuff to see. And and the funny thing about it is that after the match, Tuchel said that he barely gave Lukaku instruction. He's like, just go out there, let's see what you feel like you need to be doing, and we'll go from there. And if this is what Lukaku looks like. With zero instruction, uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what he can do throughout the season when he gets more familiar to the system, to his teammates, and what Tuchel wants from him. Because, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this performance. We already said that it probably should have been two goals, maybe three with one of those turnaround shots that he took maybe one too many touches on. But, I mean, even things like the dummy to, to mm-hmm. lead to, to the Reese James goal. It's just, he just felt so comfortable. And, and it's crazy to think he just got here a week ago. He definitely has a really good feel for the game. And I think that's probably what he improved on the most is his decision-making, um, especially when it comes down to the build-up play. But I did mention this um, off-air before we started recording. Um, one thing, yeah, Sam, go for it. Oh, you're flagging me down. Um, no, so sorry, no, Andreas, sorry. Oh, gotcha. No, uh, one thing I did notice um, is that, in, especially in the first half, he only touched the ball 13 times. So you look at the impact he had on the game. Obviously, he scores the early goal. Um, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like we were creating some sort of chance. But I can't help but think, what if we turn this 22 progressive passes received into 32? Um, or even 35. What if we get him that many more touches? I mean, he is going to get those touches. I think Tuchel is going to find a way to do that. And obviously, the more acclimated he gets to his teammates and the system and all that good stuff, he's going to get more touches. But that's just something to kind of look into, um, you know, as the season progresses. And the other thing is, you know, I, I mentioned this before. I used to play center back, and Andres. I mean, you used to play CDM, so you so you can kind of understand this logic too. Is I'm watching this guy and I'm thinking thank God I don't have to play against him. <laughs> How do you stop someone who has the power, the pace, now that now he has the technical ability and the finishing ability, the full package? Jamie Carragher kind of hit the nail on the head um, after the match, and he said, when we would face strikers like that, um, those those strikers were the hardest to mark because they're actually marking you. They know that they notice the weakness in your game and they'll specifically man mark you and feast on it. And that's exactly what he did with Pablo Mari when he ragdolled that fool six or seven <laughs> times during the game, especially for the first school. 
But one thing Jamie Carragher mentioned, and I wonder if we're going to see this against Liverpool because they do play with a back four and three in the midfield. Um, Jamie Carragher said, you don't necessarily mark those guys tight. You play off of them. And when they receive the ball, you push your high line up and your midfield collapses. So you have both center backs and one of your midfielders collapsing in on him so he can't turn and pick out another pass or turn and shoot or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm curious to see if how other teams deploy their defenses to kind of stop this guy because me looking from the outside in um if i'm an opposition manager i really have no idea what the hell to do he's too big to put a small guy on and you know if you put a big guy on him he's going to burn him for pace so (laughs) the only real way to stop him is with multiple players just like andres said um I mean, how, how do you guys kind of feel about that? Do, do you think do you think we're going to see people kind of picking him up one v one more often this season? Or, I mean, teams are eventually going to have to put stick two guys on him. There's no way you can play in one v one. They're going to have to make like the midfield is going to have to collapse on him too, because yeah. like that that they're going to have one two center backs on him plus the midfield concentrating mm-hmm. on him. Like I don't understand. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like Andreas said, with no instruction, just his playing style, you can just play around it. You know, just feed him the yeah. ball, make a run, go around him, and he'll make the right run. Uh, it's it's really like, and I think on that uh, the goal that, I mean the the, the header that he he that uh, Leno had a really nice save on. I'm pretty sure that whole play started with him bringing the ball up on the right wing, like he's 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 already like getting in tune with the rotation that that Chelsea has with minimal instruction like I just think he has that ultimate feel for the game that he understands how an offense is supposed to be run what he has to do to contribute and how to take advantage of his physical gifts of power strength and honestly like a lot of pace, he's quick with 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 the ball, and also he's he's very crafty with the ball and keeping possession. You know, there was a couple times where he received, you know, he went deep to receive the ball, and he had to make a couple of turns to you know get around the midfielder who was pressing on him. And I mean, I only remember a couple of times he got dispossessed. It, it's it's such like I still. <laughs> cannot believe that Lukaku is back on our team. I'm still I'm still <laughs> trying to get my mind like accustomed to that. Um I never want to see Chelsea linked with another striker who isn't an absolute brute ever yeah. again. <laughs> it's the formula for success. Our three best strikers in recent memory were bullies. Drogba, Costa, and now Lukaku. It's so crazy just the parallels between Drogba and Lukaku are it's I know it's an easy comparison, but it's it's honestly such a good comparison. Yeah. It it really feels like I'm I'm watching Drogba again. And and you know, the love for the club is there as well. It's 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 two similar strikers. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh Andreas, we got a question from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. How many goals is Big Rom scoring this season? Uh, 25 Premier League goals. 30. I say 30. Premier League? 
Fuck Premier it. League goals? He's on pace right now. He's on pace to score. He has one goal he's... in one match. There's so 37 left. 36. Or 36, 36 left. He missed one, yeah. So he can go five more games without scoring between now and the end of the season. <laughs> And, um, and you're just, and that's if he doesn't score multiple goals. Yeah, you love Saw, Saw, I fucking love your prediction. Me and you talked about it earlier in the week, and I think <laughs> in the group chat I was like, he could go for twenty, and then I put twenty-five as a correction, <laughs> and then I corrected myself again, or Saw corrected me and said thirty, and I thought about it. Okay, man, I think I I think he'll be somewhere between that twenty-five and thirty mark. He'll definitely he definitely has a legitimate shot at flirting with thirty Premier League. Mosala scored again, thirty, right? How many like a times, couple years ago? How, who did? Mosala was that? He's the last player to score thirty. I don't know. Thirty's a lot, dude. But didn't yeah, he? Yeah. So, he, okay. Go ahead. So my, my thing is, is that we're not just going for the Premier League, and that's why I'm only saying twenty-five, because mm-hmm. we are in so many competitions. And I really think that come December, we're not going to take the Club World Cup for granted. Like, I think he will play some matches there. And December is crazy packed. So for him to play every match in December is after he was getting a full month off in Italy. Like, that's going to be an adjustment. So I'm saying 25 because Tuchel's not a man that, that just sticks to 111. And especially when when things are going to get crowded in terms of fixture list. And we have the depth. So for me, 25 goals in his initial season in the league, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get over 30. But I think over 30 in all competitions is more realistic. I'm not. Hey, by the way, Salah scored 32 in 2018. Damn. That's so many goals. I think he'll he'll be... contributing overall like goals and assists over 30 easily maybe I just 35 or 40 he, con- he contributed to he, what he 36 yeah he he basically contributed to like 0.99 goals a match in italy i mean i i i don't think we're getting too ahead of ourselves to be completely honest like like you could say that this is some chelsea bias but i i'm hundred percent sincerely mean what I'm saying right now when I say I strongly believe if Lukaku played every match what Andreas is saying is right there's going to be rotation you know there's a midweek Champions League match we're probably going to have you know we have other options at striker Timo Werner you know who knows what his role is going to be he's probably just going to fill in those those matches um so you know, I I I think thirty though is is that's my prediction. Harry Kane had thirty goals that same year. Um, so speaking of Timo Werner, we have a question from Human Capital Department. Uh, he's the return of Human Capital he's Department. He's back. Um, <laughs> follow him for all of your Human Capital needs. Uh, the latest and breaking news. And random news. Chelsea questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because if you look at his Twitter, like the main. The main timeline, it doesn't show replies, okay? It's just like his own original tweets, and it's all H- human capital related. And then when you go to tweets and replies, he has all he's always replying to, like, Chelsea people, so it's just funny. It's definitely a, yeah, it's a multifaceted account. So he asks, does the team see a future at Chelsea for Timo Werner? 
now that we have a striker that can actually score goals. Uh, it's funny how you phrase that. Uh, Timo Werner, a striker who can't score goals because that's actually what he is. Um, maybe that is also another thing that makes me so fucking happy about having Lukaku is the Timo Werner experience from last season. And have we recorded since the practice where the fan, the yeah. jackass said, I don't know if we recorded. Did we talk about it last episode? I think, I don't know. I think I don't we mentioned it. it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if fuck I'm that on that guy. guy's, I don't know if I'm on that guy's side. <laughs> I might be on no, his side, but guy. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it at a fucking practice. I wouldn't do that. That's yeah. disrespectful. But I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> There's a difference between criticizing a player and being a shit on them. Yeah. yeah and, and just being a dick. And that guy was just being a dick. And, and the thing is, I'm sure there are a lot of Chelsea fans that don't necessarily feel like he should be out of the club, but there are some Chelsea fans that feel like he should earn his spot in the, in the team. And, and, I, and look, I think all three of us could sit here and agree on that, that he did, hasn't done enough to necessarily earn himself a spot in the starting 11. So, I mean, Sam, I know you didn't call on me, but I guess uh, my answer yeah, to this ahead, question man. would be that, that, that he's probably going to be our backup. And to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that whatsoever. Like I said, he hasn't really proved himself as the as a mercurial goal scorer that he was at, at RB Leipzig or even the playmaker that he was at RB Leipzig. Um, not saying that he can't reach those levels again. I've always maintained that he does have the talent and the skill to do it. Um, I just think it's an issue between the ears with him. And incidents like that where, you know, you have a jackass fan. Obviously, you know, Twitter timelines are very negative whenever they talk about Timo. Every article you read about Timo tends to be negative. You have to take these things into account. These players are human beings. They do have psyches, um, and they do get affected by these kind of things. And I think, unfortunately, you know, Timo has been affected by it. Maybe not necessarily in the beginning, but I definitely think towards the tail end of last season, he really started to hear it and started to show in his play a bit. Um, so it's unfortunate that he is, you know, kind of stuck to this backup role. But personally, guys, I really don't want to see him out on on either of the flanks. I think uh, when Kai Havertz plays, he's more effective. I think when Pulisic plays, he's more effective. And I even think when Hakeem Ziyech plays, he's more effective. And you could even make the argument – I don't even think it's an argument. All three of those guys are more clinical than Timo. So, you didn't even mention um, Mason Mount. Yeah, I didn't even talk about Mount. Well, well, Mount's an immovable object. I'm talking about the left-hand side specifically because that's that's probably the one that's up I mean, for we'll grabs. see a lot of rotation anyway. I mean, we're, yeah. we're going to have to. So it, 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 we're going to see everyone play. And I do you think, think – Do you, do you think he's no. a backup, Andres? Kind of curious. I, I mean, he's not in our best 11, but I don't think he needs to be considered a backup to Lukaku. I think that he's going to be playing off of Lukaku. And so you, you, we mentioned, you know, the fact that teams like Liverpool are going to approach Lukaku differently. Well, what better person to play off of Lukaku to get in behind, especially when fullbacks like Liverpool like to dart forward than Timo Werner? So for me, I, I'm not ready to write off Timo because maybe what he needs is to be playing off of a big forward again. You know, we talk about that's when he was most successful at Leipzig, uh, kind of coming in from the slight kind of like off center and, and working off the striker, more like a shadow striker. And, you know, for me, I think that's what's really going to benefit him. I don't expect... You know, if you're if you're trying to see like, oh, if Lukaku's off, who plays there? Then sure, that's where Timo will play. 
but I really see the value of Timo off of Lukaku, and and that's why I think he still has a future. Well, I mean, I I, I wanted to before before we wrap up the Lukaku bit, um, just in general that front three that we saw, Lukaku, Havertz, Mason Mount. I think that could be our best front three, right? Yeah. I mean, is that do you guys agree? Like, I but or or how would you feel about like would it improve adding a Timo Werner's pace or or Pulisic's pace playing off of Lukaku like on on the uh, on the on the, on the flanks rather than like a two striker formation? Yeah. So so one thing that I'll say is that I felt maybe it didn't happen enough yet because the the familiarity's not there, but Lukaku was only playing backwards passes to both Mount and Havertz. You know, whenever you add someone like Pulisic and Werner, Lukaku can turn and play the ball in front of him into space to those guys. And I think because of how Arsenal was playing in such a deep kind of defensive and almost scared way, you don't need to do that. But Liverpool, who like to play with a high line, we better see those runs from Havertz and, and Mount. Or if we have, you know, if Chelsea has the freedom, much like they did against Arsenal and Reese James never has to defend, maybe he's the one making those runs just like he did at the Emirates. So, again, I think it's just a matter of how are we preparing for the opposition? If they're going to play a high line, then maybe you do play Werner or someone like, um, uh, what's it called, like Plisic to come in who are guys that like to make that forward run and they like to get in behind before they receive the ball. So yeah, it's just a matter of, I think game plan and, and who you're facing. I, I don't think you need a Werner and a Pulisic if you're going to play someone like Burnley and they're going to drop 11 bodies behind the ball. So yeah, Zach, do you, do you agree? Like, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that front three is probably our most fluid in terms of if we have a lot of possession and we do see a lot of the ball, we are facing a deeper line. That's probably the best team to break to to break down a deep line. Um, the nice thing is, guys, you know, we still have Ziyech and Pulisic who could do the same thing. They're technically good enough to break down deep line defenses. But yeah, I think I think that that front three really looked fluid, and and in particular, I thought Kai Havertz looked extremely comfortable um, playing in that sort of shadow striker role that you were talking about, Andres. It's more of a false nine. It, it, his role hasn't really seemed to change from when he's positioned centrally to as opposed to when he's out on the left or the right. Um, he pretty much does the same thing. I think he has the green light to kind of float around, pick up the ball in the spaces that he wants. Um, and you know, when he's, when he's, when, when he's in the attacking third, I can't talk. Um, he has that freedom to kind of do whatever the hell he feels like he's creative enough to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think against Liverpool in particular, I don't necessarily think I want to see Timo. Um, I think if we do, it's because Pulisic isn't, isn't fully recovered yet or not fit. Um, I think he, Pulisic might be a better fit. Let's not forget what he did to them last season. Um, you know, in, in terms of what was it last season? It was or the two season years before? ago. It was two yeah, years two years ago. ago it was where after he took the, the restart. Oh to, god, it was ridiculous. To but. to be fair, Werner gave Liverpool hell last season. There was no Van Dyke, but yeah. he had one of his strongest matches against Liverpool. And yeah, I no. think he scored. To be fair with Timo, I mean, his biggest. If we're gonna talk about his biggest asset, just based on what we've seen, it's his ability to pull center backs away from the middle. 
he pulls defenders out of position um, because he's so quick. So, yeah, I think it could definitely be helpful, versus, uh, useful versus Liverpool. But I don't know. I, I, I would still continue to start this front three. I think, like like you said, Sam, I think this is probably the front three that you know we're going to see if, if we have the ability or option to play our strongest lineup. I think eventually everybody's going to know or realize that this is probably the best front three that we have. Havertz is so crazy to watch because it looks like he's not even trying. He mm-hmm. really like it, like <laughs> it looks so effortless to him. Like his dribbling, his passing. I mean, his pass to Marcus Alonso when he was in, you know, get, like in that pickle like hugging the sideline uh to, that led up to the Reese James goal. He's a beast, man. I I fucking love the way he played. But all right, let's move on. The fullback boys, man, we are feasting. Fullback boys <laughs> are feasting this season, man. I I could not have picked a better year to be a fullback guy, honestly. Because in, in in the first match it was Marcus Alonso, and against Arsenal it was my boy Reese James on the right, and with a goal and an assist, and a fucking disrespectful cheeky ass uh celebration in the Arsenal stands or to the Arsenal fans right in their faces um 53 out of 57 passes completed four key passes nine crosses attempted five out of seven duels won i mean andreas we talked about <laughs> lukaku and how much he's going to or how much our wingers or, or inside tens are going to benefit mm-hmm. off of them. How about our fullbacks? Can we expect more production from them now that we have a proper number nine? 100%. I, I think that back lines are going to have to respect the middle of the field and, and just the space inside the box a lot more. As we saw, there was times where Tierney was nowhere near Reese James and he had maybe 20 yards of space before he got there. Same with Alonzo on the other side. I think... Was it Cedric that was playing on the right for a bit? Yeah. Was it holding? They just had to respect the fact that when Lukaku was there, he takes up two bodies. And then you have Havertz and Mount there as well. So then if you don't defend those three guys with four bodies, you know, you're going to allow them to get open and score on their own. So, yeah, Lukaku having to take that much attention only benefits the wingbacks. And one thing that I noticed was that last season, the wingbacks would go all the way to the byline and then turn around and pass it back to the center back behind them. This time, they're, they know somebody's going to be in the box. And it's not just a floated little pass in the back post because someone like Werner or Mount isn't big enough or strong enough. It's a whipped ball in. And I mean, obviously the Lukaku goal is what we're probably going to be seeing a lot more. And, and it's what we talk a lot about. You know, it's the Man City style goal where you make it all the way into the end and you blast it across the mm-hmm. the six-yard box and there's somebody there. But, yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, these guys really have a more of an offensive impact. Reese James, honestly, today should have had two goals. There was another oh, yeah. play where... You run a play where he was coming up the right side, had tons of space, and for some reason he pulled it back to to Mount, who had to almost put on the full brakes just to get a shot off. So 
I think they're going to get more comfortable. We all know that Alonzo, if he gets in a shooting position, he'll take it. Now it's just a matter for Reese James to get just as comfortable. I know last season Tuchel said that, you know, both him and Chilwell really need to learn the position. And now with a proper striker, I mean, you talk about wingback boys feasting. I, I think that this will be one of those first seasons where Reese James is going to have more goal contributions than Alexander Arnold. I think that's fair. Um, like you said, Andres, when Lukaku drops in deep, and kind of like Jamie Carragher said, you got to kind of have one, if not both, center backs collapsing along with the midfield. And then it puts the full backs in an awkward position. And I think that's what we saw Cedric and Tierney um, kind of dealing with uh, last week, where Lukaku would drop in, collect the ball, and Tierney and Cedric were both in this weird position of, okay, do I help out my center backs here because they've been getting roasted every single time Lukaku touches the ball? Or do I stay out wide, hold my position, and keep the team shape? But then on the flip side, I thought it was really naive, and I am going to start talking shit about Arsenal here. I thought it was naive of Arteta to have attacking fullbacks um, in this match. You know, he started out with it in the first half. That's fine and dandy. They were creating chances. Tierney was getting up the left-hand side, playing in crosses. By the way, Tierney is is a heck of a player. Like, I hate complimenting Arsenal, but he's, he's, he's nice. Um, but after the first 15 minutes or so, Chelsea sort of realized, okay, the only threat Arsenal's posing is the cross from the left-hand side. Once we shut that down, they were still trying to push up into the attacking areas. And they would vacate the left and right channels, which is exactly, like you said, Andres, Alonso and Reese James would, could, would, would exploit every single time. Um, both of those fullbacks were nowhere to be seen. So I think because we have a number nine, teams are definitely going to change their approach to us. There's going to be more space on the flanks, and teams are going to have to realize, well, we can't give these wingbacks the ball because on one side, we, or on both sides, we have lethal wingbacks now. We got guys that can score goals and provide assists. So I'm expecting a lot more production out of Reese James. Um, I spoke about it a little bit last week in terms of um, Mason Mount maybe getting more assists this season because we actually have a striker who could get on the end of his chances that he creates. I think the same argument goes with our fullbacks. Uh, you know, these guys, like, but Reese James had four key passes in this game. I think that's just going to be a running theme um, against the mid-table, the bottom-table sides. They're going to create multiple chances a game. So, yeah, it, it, it's exciting times. I think, I think from the wing-back position, there should be at least 15 goal contributions in the league. Um, across the whole season and I don't think that's an exaggeration and that that's both goals and assists um, I, based on what I've seen so far I really really think that could be a possibility and I think the only way teams would be able to stop it is if they mimicked our formation and played 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 to try and stifle it that's really the only way off the top of the head that I could think of to kind of negate the impact of those wingbacks otherwise all those other teams better start praying we're already a fifth of the way to 15 Right now, mm -hmm. we have three goal contributions among. Yeah, right. Did Marcus Alonso have a? Yeah. Was there an assist last last week that I'm forgetting? No, he had a goal, and then Reese had one and one. Yeah, so we have three, five different goal scorers for our five goals too. Can't fail to mention that either. So. So we're looking deep, guys. I mean, we're not yeah. Man City deep, but we're deep. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd argue we are. I think, dude. I think Man City's deep in like the winger attacking mid position, but I think we're deep pretty much across the board. You know, you can argue that maybe 
You need one more right wing back. But we're, deep, we're deeper at center back. Yeah, we're, we're, we're across the board, yeah. yeah. And and we'll talk about it later, but there's still players coming in. Yeah, I think we're we're doing well for ourselves. All right, um, Twitter question, another one from Ron. He said, speak on James going to the Arsenal section and kissing the badge, hashtag rep ultras. I, I, I mentioned that earlier, but that picture... I spent about 30 minutes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. Look at Looking at all their faces? <laughs> yes, going one by one and seeing, like, this the loser. disappointment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, it was, it's like, where's Waldo? But except, where's the jackass? Uh, where's the gooner? But, um, The whole picture. It was, I mean, that moment, him, you know, kissing the badge, and dodging uh, a water bottle, which could have ended similarly to uh, what we saw in France uh, over the weekend. Oh my the, God! Crazy. That was uh, Nice and uh, Marseille. Marseille. What did you call it? Yep. Malice in Le Palace. <laughs> Malice at Le Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Andreas doesn't get the joke. <laughs> I I had to look it up. <laughs> Uh, no um, one, no one listening gets the joke I just made, which is the best part. Um, yeah. I'm right. for it. There's the joke. <laughs> Andreas didn't know what malice at the palace was up until a couple of days ago. Uh, and if you don't know basketball, you probably don't either. So don't feel bad. Oh, it was a big deal when it happened. You feel bad. In it, was, it was, it was the biggest fight that ever broke out during a professional sporting event ever. I, I, no I way. Think it wasn't There's that no big way. In England, I'm sure there were way more fights, bro. There's no way that was the biggest. That's what fight I'm saying. Like you had guys like Vinnie Jones playing in the Premier League. I'm sure. I am sure they had plenty of violence on the pitch. Bro, didn't uh... Vinnie Jones versus Ron Artest? Who wins? Vinnie Jones. <laughs> no, no chance. Uh, at Huey nine eight seven five eight, he uh, also wrote in on Twitter. No wrong decisions today. Everyone knew their job. If there's a weak link, where is it? Happy days. <laughs> uh, weak link. I, th- I mean, if we're talking about this match in particular, I think Dave had an amazing game, but he got burned a couple times on that left side or his his right. Um, and Marcus Alonso on the other side got burned a lot on defense. And I also think our midfield that midfield duo of Jovicic was just getting ran through. It was just getting ran through. Um, And that, like that's exactly why I think you saw Conte come in in like the 60th, 70th minute, Mm -hmm. like Arsenal's midfield towards that, around that time, you know, what's his name? Emil Smith throw, whatever his name is. He was killing it. He was, he was bossing them around for a little bit. And yeah. And so, I just, uh, I just thought if if that if we had to point out a weakness, which you know we'll talk about the the Saul uh, possible move, um, you know getting someone who's more defensive minded to pair to you know sit alongside Jorginho or Kovacic, so that N'Golo Conte doesn't have to play every fucking match. That's something hmm. that we could we should probably look for. Zach, what do you think? I kind of disagree with you in terms of the midfield. Um, 
I think Jorginho was really good in this game. Now, granted, we all know he doesn't have the physical attributes that we would typically associate a Premier League defensive-minded midfielder uh, to have. But, you know, I said it before we recorded, for about 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes of the second half, we were really under the cost. You know, Arsenal was all over us. They were creating chances or winning the ball in the, in, you know, in the middle of the park. And they, they, they did enjoy a little bit of freedom. But I thought the way Kovacic and Jorginho adapted to control the game, to slow possession down, um, you know, to start playing the center backs more. So we so we're able to advance the ball up the pitch and have all, you know, 10 outfield players in their half. Um, we really, we really shut them down, man. I mean, besides the first 10 minutes of the first half and the beginning of the second half, they really didn't have any other moments in the game. And I really credit that to Jorginho and Kovacic. In particular, in the second half, Jorginho was finger pointing and yelling at everybody to get him the damn ball. And the second he'd get the ball, he'd turn around and play a simple pass to keep possession. Instead of, you know, playing a ball over the top or playing a through ball or playing to Lukaku's feet, he'd play it out wide to the wing backs or he'd play it to, to one of our center backs. He'd recycle possession and gain control of the game again. So, um, you know, if I had to pick a weakness in, in in this game, I really didn't find one. I think we maybe we could have scored more goals. But if I had to point a weakness out in the squad, I've always maintained this. I still think we need cover at right wing back more than we need cover at center mid. But Andres, what did you think? Yeah, I, I never really thought Arsenal was a threat. So it's hard to be, you know, it, we're, we're nitpicking at this point. And yeah. I mean, we, Arsenal had a point three four expected goals. You can argue they deserved a penalty maybe. But even then, I, I was never worried. You know, in the first couple minutes, they had a shot. Okay, big whoop. And, and yes, Half Saka chance. would would kind of dribble, dribble a little bit, or or Smith Rowe would would dribble, but the back three, I still think is at least in the the way the system works, it's still so solid, and it, it's just a matter of can Dave really do a whole another season of playing both right center back and right wing back, or is that something that we're going to continue to to be looking at going into next season, but. Yeah, I, we talk about Marcos Alonso getting burnt. You you expect that. You're not playing Marcos Alonso in a game where he needs to be a lockdown defender. So in terms of a weakness, I mean, today we, like you said, not today, but in the match against Arsenal, goals, you know, there's still so much potential for goals in this side. And, mm-hmm. and I think that just comes with, again, with familiarity with what Lukaku can do. Um the wingbacks getting used to crossing to Lukaku, the center mids feeling like they can do more than just passing it to his feet, the attacking mids knowing what to do when he receives it to his feet. So it's just, again, this is this is the prototype of what Chelsea should look like, and, and the fact that we're at this point is just crazy. Um, it's funny how you mentioned that uh, only scoring two goals was uh, one of our weak links. Uh, our next question is from at Barry Brunch. Um, he asked, was two goals disappointing? Also disappointed for Chalobinho not to start? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Andres, you, you kind of answered the first one. Yeah, uh, it is. It's a little, I mean, Leno made a fantastic save. So it could have been 3-0. And then I mentioned, you know, Reese James is not used to being so forward. And so he 
kind of did a little juke move, try to get the defender off of him, and just kind of froze and tried to tap it over to Mason Mount to take care of business. Those were the two chances that I thought could have been goals. And I think, again, Lukaku extremely unlucky not to have a brace. And then Reese James just needs to be more comfortable in those positions. So, yeah, a little I'd say disappointing is not the word because we were in total control. Uh, I just know there's more to us. And then in terms of Chalobinho, uh, yeah, it's a little sad because he was playing well. He scored, had a great preseason. But, again, I'm not going to fault the manager for putting out a stronger squad on paper against, you know, Arsenal, who is still a rival, believe it or not. I know they're 19th in the table, but <laughs> we have struggled at the Emirates before. And we I mentioned it last week. We struggle against relegation sides. So got to get the points early. Yeah. And, the, and every derby is, you know, the energy is just different. The emotions, everything. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on a, on a young man on his second ever start for Chelsea. <laughs> you could say the same thing for uh, Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> Zach? Uh, where were we? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> what? Were two, I goals, were two goals disappointing? And were you disappointed oh. for Chalobinho not to start? Uh, uh, this is the Roman's the... Empire podcast, too, if you, if you forgot. Yeah. So all we do is talk Chelsea and not look at your phone while Andres is talking. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I wasn't disappointed to see Chalaba on the bench. Um, again, like you said, I think it comes down to experience in a match like this. So, you know, it, it, if you're taking Chalaba out of the match and effectively replacing him with our club captain, who are we to fucking argue? <laughs> um, you know, Dave is definitely more than serviceable. Um at that position, but no, I, I don't think two goals are disappointing uh, either. You know, it is Lukaku's first game. It would have been nice. It would have been nice to see him maybe score that header or get another one. Um, but I think the more important thing here is that we created so many chances. Um, so you know, obviously, once our attack gets more refined and the players get more used to each other, I just think it's a matter of time. You know, we said this last season and it didn't happen, but this time it's for real. You know, we're gonna pop at some point, and you know, some teams are gonna be you know, taking the brunt of a four or five nil spanking, you know, that I think that's inevitable. Um, but I, it is eventual too. And I think we have to be patient and, and kind of keep that in mind. Also, um, we haven't seen Ziyech or Pulisic or Werner even um, combine with Lukaku or play with him yet. So, you know, there is a possibility of either combination of those players, just completely transforming the way we attack teams. Um it looked like Tuchel was a little bit eager to get Ziyech on to see how he would work with Lukaku. I think the logic there is maybe for the crossing ability. Lukaku's great at getting on the end of those. But yeah, it's just a matter of time before we start scoring four or five against against people. Um, you know, the, the team just has to get used to each other still. And, and it, it is yeah. a work in progress still. As good as we looked, there yeah, are still plenty better. of things to work on. Yeah, this is, crazy this is just the beginning? Oh my goodness. Okay, let's go to our last question. Uh, this one's also from Ron. He says, where's Cho in the pecking order? As happy as I was to see Ziyech go out there after his injury, wouldn't Cho have been a better decision? I, I honestly, I mean, I'm happy to see Ziyech back from his injury, but I wasn't happy to see him come in because I would rather just have him, like, just like have more rest and like non-actual game time 
uh, before coming back just to have, let let the shoulder heal even more. You know, he came in for like 10, 15 minutes, but it in essence was a dead match. I know Arsenal did put a little bit of pressure at the end, and if they got one, then, you know, it would have been game on again. But um, I just thought like having Cho out there would have been the better decision, not not tactically or anything in that sense, but one, to get Ziesh some more rest time to get, let that shoulder heal, and two, to get Cho a little bit of confidence in playing time because, I mean, he's only been deployed as a wing back so far this season, I think, right? Like, I don't think he's played as a winger yet. So I want to see him play in his natural position. He's been un- not – I wouldn't say he's been unfairly treated because – of the depth of our squad, but it's just, it isn't fair to him to have only been played in a position where he's not really his strongest. Uh, Andreas, where do you see Joe as far as uh, his order in the pecking order? I think it's pretty far down, unfortunately. Um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast as of this season, I, that whoever doesn't make their mark in that front three is going to be, deputizing at wing back and I think it speaks a lot as to to why Ziyech was brought on ahead of Cho unfortunately for Cho uh, in this matter because we know the talent is there and it's weird to, to continue not to see him picked when managers always say these amazing things and the fact that Cho is one of our highest earners and he doesn't even play so it's just strange. We've seen what happens when you play the Cobham crew, per se. You know, Chaloba, Reese James, I mean, Mason Mount. When they get minutes, they perform. But for some reason, Cho doesn't get that benefit. And it's just, it's worrisome at this point. Because we talked about it earlier. We're now in prime contention for the Premier League, which means it's only going to get harder for someone like Cho to get that, those minutes. Yeah, I, it's an unfortunate situation that he's kind of stuck in here. I mean, Tuchel really did try to make an effort to get him into the team. I mean, we all know the experiment at right wing back didn't work. Um, but he is in a position where we have a lot of excess. We got Timo, we got Pulisic, we got Ziyech, uh, Havertz, Mount, and then Cho. Um, so I think there are games for him. I, th- I think we're in enough competitions this season to the point where he'll get the playing time and get the opportunities. My thing is, is, is the guys that are starting in his place, you know, they have the ability to take on two or three players, create chances. Um, you know, Ka- we know Kai Havertz has that finishing product, you know, he hasn't scored yet, but he showed it in the Euros and he showed it in the Champions League final. And I don't think we've seen that from Cho. Um, especially at the right wing back position, what we saw from Cho is, the ability to take on one guy and then pass the ball backwards. We don't really see him taking on one player and making a dart towards goal, like kind of like he did under Sari, where he was really aggressive um, in, in the final third. So that kind of disappeared from his game a little bit. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. It's definitely not an ability issue because the kid kind of has it all. He has the strength. He has the technical ability, the finishing. Um, I really want to see him succeed, but it's unfortunate. Um I think the team is at the point now where we are arguably the best side in Europe. Um, 
and it's it he has to be one of the best wingers in Europe to get in. It, it's it it's just that simple. So he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place here. It's not the end of the world for Cho. He could still play himself into into you know the rotation, but for now, um, I would rather see guys like Ziesch or Pulisic. Um, please don't kill me, but even Timo Werner, um, you know, playing ahead of him, um, just because when they play, they seem to impact the match a lot more. Is it too late to find them a good a good loan? I don't I don't think so. Honestly, I wouldn't be I really wouldn't be opposed to it. Um my thing is I think Cho is in a unique position that only Loftus Cheek has really been in before where we should have loaned him out a lot earlier. Um you know, you could make the argument that we should have loaned him last season. Should have probably been his first full season on loan cuz he did get a little bit of playing time under Frank. Um I'm not opposed to it, but the problem with him is he's at the point in his career where he needs to be starting every game, and I know that could be said about every low knee, but if he doesn't get it together in the next two or three years, it could be really detrimental to his overall development. Um, You can loan out a player after the transfer window closes, right? I don't think so. Depends on what league's windows are still open. Okay, so yeah, yeah, but like like presumably like in the Premier League, if, if it's September 1st, so if we were going to loan him, we'd have to come to you know, find a deal for with for him for the, ne- in the next week. seven days. It's seven days. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see him go anywhere but the Bundesliga, honestly. I, th- I would go back to Bayern. I think. I mean, I, I yeah, or the Premier League. I just think I just think attacking attack-minded players thrive when they go on loan there. But I don't know. Hey, do you guys want to see him out on loan? I now just, I mean, I want to see the guy play. Like, I mean, yeah. when is he going to get minutes? We have two positions for him where he's supposed to develop into the player that he probably, like, again, his best position, probably left wing. So he's behind Havertz, Mount, Werner, Pulisic, Yes, He is sixth choice for his preferred position. It's sixth tough. Choice. Six choice in two positions because he, he's not playing wing back again. I could guarantee you that. Or or even that he you know he's third choice there because it yeah. goes Reese James Aspie then Cho. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at like what's happening with like Tino Liverminto and like you know how how much of a baller he's been at Southampton and what's his name Coleman whatever um, at Levi Colwell. Yeah, Colwell at Huddersfield. He just scored a game winner against uh, Sheffield in the dying embers of the match. I saw that live yeah. and I was like, oh shit, look who it is. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, it's nice to see that and it's actually great experience for them. So let's get Cho out there. Um, all right, let's move on to the transfer news. Uh, we begin with the center backs, uh, Kunde and Zuma update. So. Kunde, Sevilla is now asking uh, upwards of 60 million euros. Uh, the players, you know, Kunde has agreed to terms with Chelsea weeks ago. This has been something that we've known. and um, But Chelsea's expected to formally bid once the Zuma deal is complete. Um, reportedly, the transfer fee has been agreed to 30 million uh, pounds with West Ham. Um the final details of the contract for Zuma are being sorted. Um, he wants 130,000 per week. So 
He's, first of all, god damn it, I love Zuma so much, but yeah, it, it, with this system, maybe it's not the best fit for him. Um, is this the right move now that we know Chalaba is staying? I know we say this, we've been talking about this the last two weeks, but should we still, like, are you happy with this, this transfer, both in and out, Andreas? I mean, it's like, as a fan of Zuma, I'm happy that he'll go somewhere where he can get the minutes. I mean, I'm looking at who did West Ham play against uh, Leicester, and I know Dawson has been kind of a great signing for them at center back, and he's found kind of a a rebirth in his career, but we all know Zuma is going to be a better center back in a back four than Craig Dawson. He's going to have that that strength, the sure tackles. And and for a team like West Ham that can be a threat from set pieces, Zuma can't be the sole focus when Suchek is in the box. So he's going to benefit from that. So it, as, a, as a Zuma fan, this is a great move for him. As a Chelsea fan, it sucks to see him go. But with Koundé coming in, you have now two players at age of 22 in a position that is hard to scout its center back who can be tied down to long-term futures at the club. So whether we go to a back four or a back three, two of the three players are locked down theoretically for five to eight years. So I think it's good business on Chelsea's part, only knowing that in that time frame, people like Thiago Silva, Aspie, and even Rudiger to an extent, all have to be kind of phased out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. Um, I, Sam was actually the one that mentioned it a few pods ago. It's it's not a move for now. Um, I think it's a move that sets us up well for the future when those guys get you know get up there in age on the wrong side of thirty. I think uh, I really like the intent, and I I mean that in terms of we're going after a top prospect for that position we're not going after plan b or c we haven't even heard about plan b or c chelsea want this guy and that's the guy we're going for it's just like our striker situation where we identified two strike two top class strikers in holland and lukaku and didn't look anywhere else because we're we were going to make one of those deals happen and i think the same thing is you know in place with kunde the intent is there we're targeting a young center back who has world-class potential um you know, who who has the qualities that would, would fit in with this squad. And look, we don't even really need to think too hard or dissect this too much. I mean, it, it comes down to this. If that's Tuchel's guy and that's who Tuchel wants, let's go get him. Um, I mean, so, I mean, just, just think of the next four years. Diago's yeah. out. Aspie probably won't be a starter every week. Rudiger, we don't know. He's only, he's 28. So then you have a back line. Christensen is the leader now of this back line. Let's say we Mm -hmm. somehow stick to the system. Then you got Kunde, Chalaba, and potentially Levi Colwell as the fourth choice. I mean, this is a a move for the future with with impacts on the now because we also don't know what Kunde or or even someone like Chalaba can do if they're given minutes. Who knows? Lord forgive one of our players gets injured and these guys have to step up. It's just it's just Lord move. forgive instead of Lord forbid. Forbid, that's I'm what sorry. it is. You know what I mean. <laughs> Lord forgive. I'm sorry. 
Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have made fun. We of need to get our. Day, we so. need to get. We need to brush up on our figures of speech, man. Uh, that's my enough. one weakness in the English language. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, English is my first language, and I still fuck it up sometimes. Andres, you're acting like you're not like you're not from here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Next, next little bit of transfer news: the Saul deal. Um, apparently, we're leading the race according to Fabricio um, Romano. That's his last name, right? Romano. Yep. For yeah. those of you that can't see, Sam said Fabrizio with uh, with the Italian hand gesture. It was unintentional. Yeah. You have you to. It, it's like just how you pronounce the name, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so apparently it's between us and Man United, who's also, but who's prioritizing Kamavinga, whose price tag is like, what, 30 million? 35. Yeah. He has one year left on his deal. That's why it's so low. But that's still a lot yeah. for someone under 20. Can we fucking do that? I don't, I'm down 30? What the hell? United is stupid loan and if they don't pull that deal off. Because why, in, in, why, aren't, Are we stupid time, for not doing it? No, we've got, we got Billy Gilmore. Yeah. I'd oh, be man, for it. Uh, listen, the 20-year-old, yeah. It's not going to affect us really this year. Yeah. But, but this is a player that if United does get him, his price tag immediately goes upwards of $75 million this time next year. Um, I think then it's why don't we I... do that? That's fucking good business. Let's get him. Come on, Zach. Someone make a phone business. call to Marina. I think it's uh, important okay. to note, um, from what I've heard, Kamavinga and Saul have the same agent. Um. So, you know, he is trying to engineer moves for both players, and it would be in his best interest to push Saul towards Chelsea and to push Kamavinga towards United. So we have to keep that in mind as well. The agent is at play, um, and agents do have the power in football nowadays. So I think that's most likely what's going to happen. I think the more interesting thing here is that it's a loan with a buy option. Um, this screams the same logic as the initial Kovacic loan. Where we bring the guy in, see how he fits in with the squad, and you know if he performs or overperforms, we'll go and 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 buy him at this pre-negotiated discount, quote unquote, price. So I like it, kind of like the Kunde deal, where you know I said we're targeting you know the best players at that particular position. I don't think Saul is as high up on the list as Kunde is in terms of like center backs, but uh, Saul's not as high on the list as center mids, I guess I should say, but. I mean, we're still targeting a player that has, you know, world-class ability, a player that's played in the Champions League, won league titles in La Liga, scores goals as well. So it's a great addition to the squad. There's no doubt in my mind that this would improve the team. I just, I don't think he gets in ahead of Kovacic, Jorginho, or Conte. So he, he'd probably be going to come in as a fourth choice um, if the deal does come to fruition. I think it's it's just savvy business again. I'm glad it's an option to buy, not a, what's it called? A, obligation. Yes, thank you. Obligation to buy. I think Saul comes in as the clear fourth option with, you know, this is a guy that's trying to prove himself. He had kind of a bit of an off year. He does have the right mentality. And I feel like Tuchel as a manager seems to really, really speak on what a player's mentality can do to a team. And Zach alluded to the fact that this guy now has won two league titles under Simeone in a league that's dominated by Barcelona and Madrid. 
and he has scored big goals against, I believe he eliminated Bayern a few times. I think it's once or twice, actually. He scored the winners against Bayern in elimination games in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the reason we're bringing him, the, his, his scoring itself, but I think he does fit the profile for, you know, our double six maintaining possession, box-to-box kind of sentiment that we're putting there. And in my mind, this is a, if things work out, great. We get a great deal. If things don't work out, guess whose price tag goes down next summer? Declan Rice. So Chelsea's still kind of keeping their eyes maybe in the horizon as to what will happen with their long-term target, which has been now through two managers, Declan Rice. And I think that's kind of how you plan for it. They're not going to budge on the 75 to hundred million that West Ham is asking. That's okay. Let's get our cover. Again, this is not uh, limiting Billy Gilmore's future because Saul and Billy Gilmore have two totally different roles on this team. And, and yeah, again, I'm not going to get upset for a quality first team player for depth. Definitely. And I mentioned this earlier. I still think it, you know, against a team like Arsenal, it didn't get exposed as much. But that Jovicic midfield pairing, just don't think it's necessarily strong enough defensively to hold up against a, you know, like a above, we'll say an above average midfield. Um, definitely, if we're playing against a strong midfield, we'll see N'Golo Conte out there. But um, I, that's why I'd like to bring a guy like Saul in, um, so that. You know, he, he does, he can provide some defensive assistance to one of Jorginho or Kovacic, whoever's beside him. Um, quickly, um, a couple more uh, outgoing transfers. Uh, Ike Ubo to Genk for $3.5 million initially, or uh, pounds or whatever. Is that what I say? I don't know. It just sounds like uh, <laughs> when rappers go, gang, gang. Oh, gank, 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 gank. Um, hmm. 3.5 million <laughs> euros, pounds, whatever it is, uh, could rise to 7.5 million with add-ons. Uh, plus, there's a 20, 20% future sell-on fee uh, clause. Um, next deal, Zapacosta to Atalanta. Finally, after not being with the squad for the past two years, we're able to offload him for ten million, and a pretty good fit for Atalanta. I'm actually kind of excited to see what he can do there. Um, Bakioko, you guys remember that name? How excited we were to bring him in. <laughs> um, I think our debut season, Zach. Like, remember that script we were talking about? You know, oh, we <laughs> uh, excited to bring in Bakioko. What do you think about <laughs> bringing him uh, in from? Where's he from? Monaco. We talked about yep. how well he did at Monaco in the Champions yeah. League the season before. Yeah, Champions League. He'll bring that Champions League experience. That's what we said. Bakayoko. I mean, he was part of that team of the season for the Champions League. That's wild. If yeah. you listened, if you listened to our first podcast ever, and you still listen to us today, God bless you. <laughs> thank, thank I you wonder if there is at least one person. Do you think there's one person who's listened to the first episode and to this episode? I don't know. If they're listening right now, There's please no tweet us or DM yeah. us. I- I'm honestly we'll very send curious. You something. We will send you yeah. something, even if you're lying. Even if you're lying. 
Bakioko speaking with AC Milan um, to go on loan with an option to buy deal. Good riddance. Any, is there anything you guys wanted to add to those three, or should we jump into the Liverpool preview? Uh, I, could, I could watch that Watford match out of my memory permanently. <laughs> I was going to say that we probably jumped the gun as fans singing the, the Bakayoko song where we said um, that he never gives the ball away. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, forgot uh, about that song. It was a fun one. That's, a, like that's a good one, matches. yeah. It was a good one. <laughs> All right. Liverpool preview at Anfield. Um, we are dead even on the table uh, with five goals scored, none conceded uh, in our first two matches. Uh, Van Dijk is back, which presents a great, great matchup for Lukaku. Uh, Diogo Jota, Salah, and Mane. Um, They've all scored. I mean, Jota has been on a, on a scoring streak so far. Firmino's even scored. Um, we'll start off with a, a question first from uh, Kojo at M Emuator. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I know I pronounced <laughs> Kojo right. This team is so complete to the extent that there's literally no question to ask. Anyways, who should start against Liverpool's high line? Werner, Lukaku, and Mount? Uh, Zach, you were talking about, or who was talking about I, whether, I, yeah, I Werner scored against them. Well, I think he did score against them last year. Yeah. But what do you think about that front three? I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where Mount and Havertz both have started, right? No, Havertz didn't start the first match, but they looked good. They looked good with Lukaku. They have a full week off. I don't know if, if it's maybe if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I, it's tough for me because I, I don't see how you bench any of those guys, specifically speaking about Havertz and Mount here. So I know I just explained that, that I think that Werner could have a, a place in something like this game where you have the high line, but at the same time, I think I ride the hot hand, which has been our theme for, for how the season has begun. Um, you know, perhaps it's more of a, if Werner plays, then I think you also play Chilwell instead of Alonzo. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where, where I'd say that the subs would come in, but I, I, I just can't personally think, Oh yeah, I'll bench Havertz for, for Werner right now. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I find that, it's a challenge for me to just be like, yeah, that's what I do. Doesn't sit well the sound of that. I think I think Kai uh, Mount and Lukaku would be ideal. I think if Pulisic didn't get COVID and played well against Arsenal, if he did play against Arsenal, you could maybe make the shout for him to start because he provides that pacey threat um, that we talk about with Werner, but he also has the end product, which Werner doesn't have. Um, but no, I think I think Kai, uh, Lukaku, and Mount would be ideal for me. And look, I, I'm not opposed to playing Timo in this game. I think Timo could be a huge impact sub off the bench. You know, once that back line gets a little bit fatigued, if we really need a goal, if Tuchel still sees the space in behind, you know, midway through the second half, you make that change. And maybe you go with a front two with Mount in behind um, and just, you know, have Werner play that shadow striker role and just run right behind their back line. So... 
look, the nice thing is we have options now because we have a striker. We don't have to put square pegs in round holes. We don't have to force Kai to play up the middle. We don't have to force Timo to play up the middle. We have options. So, you know, we can go with the technical route with Kai, the pacey route with Timo. We can have a mix of both with Pulisic. You know, um, we can go just strictly creativity with Ziyech. There's a there there's a lot of different ways we can line up, but yeah, I think I think Mount Havertz and Lukaku um, are our best front three as of now, and I think I think they should start against Liverpool. And going to the Chilwell uh, issue, um, I still start Alonso. I think it's harsh to introduce Chilwell to this year's Premier League season against Liverpool. It's like here's here's your first start in the league. Go chase Trent around all match. It, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just think I think Alonso's in form, and you just got to kind of play the hot hand. I love that guy too. Um, what time uh, out? You're gonna you're gonna trust Alonso to to chase Trent? No, no, no. <laughs> Look, it, it's not a True. better situation having Alonso, you know, <laughs> chase around Trent or whoever is playing on their right wing. But Chile hasn't played at all. Yeah. Even in the Euros, so you're kind of bringing in a guy that's cold into this match i think i think you could introduce him as a sub you know if we build a goal if we build a goal or two goal lead um and and we need to sit on it and defend and pack it in chillwell's the guy but i think that would be a more smooth introduction um if tuchel starts him that just tells you everything you need to know about how much he trusts him trusts in him but i i personally i wouldn't go for that i i think it's harsh to introduce him to a team like liverpool for your first match back yeah I agree to an extent. Uh, next question. This one comes from Kirill's Medvedev. He asks, can Lukaku take Van Scheidt? So Van Scheidt, uh, you guys you guys can figure out who that's referring to, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's been that, anything but. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that is going to be such a pleasure to watch. That battle between those two massive lads. Um I'm really excited to see how he does, but Zach, do you think Lukaku can take him? I think this would be Lukaku's best chance. I mean, it's only his third game back from injury. Um, unfortunately for us, he's looked really good, and the proof is in the pudding. Liverpool have it conceded. Granted, they didn't play very good opposition, but I think Lukaku could feast in this game. I think there's going to be I think there's going to be space for him to to, to sort of operate and. I'm more curious to see how Klopp goes about stopping Lukaku because you might be able to make the argument that you could stick Van Dyke on him and, and, and possibly negate him that way, but that would be completely going against everything I said in the beginning of the podcast in terms <laughs> of you can't play the guy 1v1. I think I think if Liverpool do that, Lukaku will get his. I think if they're playing 1v1, there's no way Van Dyke stay stuck to him like glue for 90 minutes. I and, and look, I know it's Van Dyke. I know we're talking about arguably the best center back in world football, but there's just some things that you can't do alone. And I think stopping Romelu Lukaku is one of those. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Who's been starting how, beside him? Matip. Joel Matip's been starting. Joel Matip. Well, I know, I know um, Gomez is back. But he's coming off the bench because he's coming off a major injury. Right. Um, and Robertson should be starting again. 
Yeah, he said he's healthy. That's that's a big, big uh, key thing that we should mention is that he's back and he's healthy. So they are going to have their fullbacks bombing up the pitch. We're going to have our fullbacks Shoot. bombing up the pitch. Look, I, I think both front lines can score. I think it's really going to come down to who can get on the end of their chances. Um, and I think the fullbacks are probably going to be the key element in this game to look out for. Who can get more production out of those? Who's going to yeah. make the mistake first? I mean, this is definitely... I, I think the timing of this match could not be better. I want to see mm-hmm. how how good we really are. Like, I mm-hmm. want a good test. And I think this Liverpool side, the way that they've looked in the first two matches with, you know, getting Joe Gomez and Van Dyke back, I mean, it, it showed how important they were to that team when they went from winning the Premier League to barely sneaking in top four last season. I mean, they can be contenders also for the title, obviously. Um, oh, of but, course. You never count them out. Yeah. I mean, they're, a good, I mean, they're a really good team. Besides the last, you know, if you take if you take anything before the last three years, you can count them out every year, but... Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm out for the 27 years prior to that. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is going to be. I, I I'm I'm trying to think of what I want my prediction to be because it, I think it's going to be either nil nil, no one is going to score, or we win one nil. That's all. Most scoring, interesting. Yeah, I mean, because the, the these are two teams that have kept two clean sheets in two mm-hmm. matches. Uh, and they're such a, so strong defensively. Mendy has been a man on fire. Um, you know, Allison is a man on fire as well. Um, if it comes down to a 90th minute corner, you better mark his ass. Cause you know, he's coming up, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I think it's going to be low scoring. Uh, Andreas, what do you think? Oh, it's tough. I think I think we've handled for some reason we match up well. At least we did last season. I I remember Salah not doing well. I think the only reason we lost that first match was that dumb red card by Christensen. So you know because they play these smaller forwards, I think that kind of plays to our advantage in a way. I know Rudiger loves playing in Salah. Christensen thrives against these little modern, smaller forwards. And Aspie's always down for the challenge against Sadio Mane. So, to me, the battle is going to be won by our midfield and our, you know, Conte being back is going to be huge. So, mm-hmm. I say it's going to be a very, very stressful 1-0 victory. You guys are going low scoring. I think, I think there's going to be goals. Liverpool's front three slash four has already gotten off the mark. Um, none of our tens have scored yet. I think we're due for a goal from, you know, one of our wing positions. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three one Chelsea. I'm optimistic about this guys. I think nice. it's, I think it's, I think it's really early in the season. Like you said, this match couldn't come at a better time. I know Van Dyke came back and they've kept two clean sheets, but Norwich is terrible minus Billy Gilmore and uh, Josh Sargent. Shout out USA. Uh, and then, you know, Burnley is making some interesting moves, this transfer window, going after players that they wouldn't normally target, but they don't look very strong. Um, I'm laughing because I, I got a, I got an Instagram DM from Zach watching a goal highlight 10 minutes ago while we're while recording. <laughs> while Andres was speaking. 
<laughs> uh, I'll watch it later. It looks like a sick It's pretty highlight. sick. It's a nice bicycle <laughs> kick in the Copa Libertadores. Oh, my uh, God. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go 3-1. Um, I feel good about this, guys. And I and I think we're going to get a goal finally from one of our 10s. I hope it's Kai. Damn. Because I think, I think look, if Kai gets – What a bicycle Kai, kick. Sorry, I we wasn't win, listening to what you were yeah. saying, Zach. My oh. bad. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So uh, I no, I, I I think if Kai and Lukaku both get on the score sheet in this game, it's gonna spell death for the rest of the Premier League. <laughs> Everybody will be shaking in their boots. Good lord, we found a new dynamic duo for Chelsea Football Club, and we still have Ziyech, Pulisic, Mount, all you know in the background of this. So. Happy days, man. I'm going 3-1. Fuck it. I'm confident. <laughs> Let's fucking do it. Wait, Pulisic scored for us two matches ago. We ha- so we have had Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have our number. Yeah. I just thought of that, but yeah. I think way. it's also important to mention one last thing. Uh Liverpool have not lost a league match um at home when Van Dyke starts. So they're due for a fucking Fat loss at home. Yeah. So they're going to take it. I'm so excited, guys. <laughs> Me too. What time I'm excited. I'm excited for Andre. It's the. <laughs> Me too. It's the prime time one, if yeah. you can call it that. So it's like the late morning. It's 9:30 for just, us. So. I'm just excited. I'll, I'll get to yeah. be back in the pub for the first time this season. So, Crystal Palace match. I woke up with an allergic reaction. Then last weekend I was in Denver doing something more important, believe it or not. And now finally I get to be back with the Bayou City Blues yeah, on Saturday. Shout out so. Bayou City Blues. Yes, big shout out. Those guys are great. Um yeah, I mean that kind of brings us to the end of the show this week. Obviously next week, guys, um, there is an international break after the Liverpool match, but we are uh planning something special for all of our lovely listeners out there. So stay tuned. Keep an eye on our Twitter profile. Um, we will announce it once it officially becomes official, but we do plan on making uh, some pretty interesting podcasts in the very near future. So if you're not following us on Twitter and like to keep up at Romans Empire Pod, we've also gotten a bunch of emails um, recently, actually last season as well, um, of just people telling us how they became fans, how they came across our podcast and, you know, a little story about, you know, their Chelsea fanhood. We love hearing things like that. And guess what? We also read them out on the podcast. So Um, Make sure you email us, reach out to us any which way, Um, and until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.